The following guided meditation was given at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. It's the five subjects for frequent recollection. And it's this chant we do about once a month here at the center. But um, according to the recorded discourses of the Buddha that have been passed down first for many hundreds of, year, hundreds of years as an oral tradition and then eventually um, written down, this strong encouragement from the Buddha to reflect on these five things just regularly in your day, in your life, every morning, every evening before you go to bed. Again, not as a way to you know, be a party pooper, sort of an interesting reflection to do on Easter for those of us raised in a Christian tradition. Um, just this sense of rebirth that we associate with Easter time So it can feel like just the opposite to be reflecting on the fact that, oh yeah, that's true, I haven't gone beyond aging or sickness or death. Everything I care about will be taken away from me. It's just inevitable in how life plays out, right? That's not like some betrayal where, like, why is that happening to me? It happens to everybody that we lose everything. We don't take anything with with us when we die. And then the last one, the word here, they have kama, or uh, the other version, the Sanskrit version is karma, which is more familiar. It just means intentional action. So the fifth reflection the Buddha invites us to reflect on is just the truth that we live in a lawful world, that how we think and what we do has consequences. And it doesn't matter if anybody, if nobody sees us thinking something or doing something or saying something, When we act, whether it's a thought or we speak or we do something, when we act, it makes an impression in our own mind, in our own heart. So it doesn't matter if nobody sees us being a jerk somewhere in private, you know, whatever that might look like, because it makes an impression in our own mind. It's affected who we are. And that's really the essence of karma. There's a lot of misunderstanding about the Buddhist teachings on karma. It's kind of been picked up in the West as sort of like somehow there's Santa Claus somewhere recording all your good and bad deeds and you know that sort of cosmic figure is going to make sure you get your just desserts. But that's not how it works. When we act with intention, our mind changes. It affects us. And so who we are in the next moment is the person who did that previous thing with intention. Right? That's the mind that goes forward, is the guy who did that, or the person who said that, or the person who feels this way. So we're kind of creating who we are moment by moment through our intentional actions, because however we're showing up, that's planting seeds for who we're going to be in the next moments. And so in this way, karma is really a teaching on this more basic level that we're responsible for what we're setting in motion in our lives. Every moment choices are made to speak, not speak, to act or not act. All of that, like it or not, makes an impression on our mind stream. And so who we are right now 
is the lawful result of all of those intentional choices, actions, thoughts that have been done previously. Because that's kind of what's made this mind, this heart, the way it is right now. And that's the last reflection that we do. So let's chant these five subjects for frequent recollection, as it's called. And then we'll sit together for about 30 minutes. I am of the nature to age. I have not gone beyond aging. I am of the nature to sicken. I have not gone beyond sickness. I am of the nature to die. I have not gone beyond dying. All that is mine, beloved and pleasing, will become otherwise, will become separated from me. I am the owner of my karma, Heir to my comma, born of my comma, related to my comma, abide supported by my comma, whatever karma I shall do, for good or for ill, of that. I will be the heir. Thus we should frequently recollect. <clears throat> so we take some time and listen to the body, settle into a comfortable posture for the meditation time, whatever that looks like for us where we feel some stability in the sitting posture and a quality of sitting up right in the middle of things. <clears throat> and we allow as best we can the body to rest on the earth, on the floor, on the chair and cushion. And we allow the mind to rest in the body, on the body. We're exploring in a very simple way is it safe to relax? So this somewhat paradoxical combination of being released and relaxed and being alert and interested. And to discover how those two qualities of alertness and relaxation can be mutually supporting each other. The alertness helps the body and mind to release unnecessary holding and tension. And the relaxation supports alertness. The mind's less distracted because of the relaxation.
And it's really important as we settle. So we haven't started any formal meditation technique now. We're just relaxing and being interested in how that is. In fact, it's really important not to jump into a technique to direct the attention. And especially with the theme these last couple weeks of Abiding is the word we've been using. Abiding in emptiness. I know that's a little provocative to say that, but more pragmatic, practical way is we're discovering that the mind can abide, can rest without being fixed in any way, without needing, in a sense, fixed ground. And often that fixed ground is some sense that the mind has to do something now, like I have to pay attention to my breath. So at the beginning of the sitting period, one of the flavors of just relaxing is the sense, nowhere to go, nothing to do, but not letting that sense slide into dullness and sleepiness being really curious about the not having to do anything, not needing to go anywhere, not needing to fix anything. And notice the emptiness of that compulsive need to do. Because that's something that's present here and now. It's like something's missing, that neurotic sense of needing to do needing to meditate, needing to get quiet. What a relief it is to put all that down. Just being here in the settledness, the relative settledness of the body sitting, hearing the blower and the other sounds of people moving in the room feeling the clothes touching the skin of the body and maybe the cool air against the cheeks and backs of the hands or whatever. So much of this learning to abide and Openness, to give us another word, is noticing what's missing, noticing the absence of the mind being fixated. So, for example, if we just appreciate the lack of remorse, right? So, right now, to whatever degree our heart isn't tormented by different mistakes we've made recently, regrets we have, oh my God, I said that. So that relative absence of that neurotic activity can be noticed as a the space of the mind that isn't neurotically guilty. Like Thich Nhat Hanh, an important teacher here in the West, Buddhist teacher, 
He says, notice the non-toothaches. So it's not, not just about noticing when we do have a lot of guilt, a lot of remorse, a lot of, oh my God, I did that. We can notice the emptiness of it when it's not there. So to whatever degree the today and the last few days have been relatively clean, we've been living a relatively wholesome life. And so right now as we're just resting here, there's not a lot of regret, a lot of guilt moving in the heart and mind and body. Then let's notice that lack of remorse as a beautiful thing, like a space. And the fact that there isn't guilt, well, that's a beautiful thing. So in Buddhist practice, we call this contemplating the happiness of non-remorse. Contemplating the absence of guilt and self-hatred. And let it be in a very ordinary, natural way, let it be a cause for inner happiness right here and now, however faint or subtle it might be. Basically appreciating that the heart knows how to avoid (coughs) misdeeds, knows how to avoid harming oneself and harming others. Not perfectly, but to some degree. So we're learning to abide in this goodness by paying attention to it and not paying attention to the mistakes we've made right now. Instead, paying attention to the relative wholesomeness and the aftertaste of that relative wholesomeness that we've been living. And letting it make an impression on the heart. (coughs) 
And then another way to abide is in any moment like this one, there are many objects of experience coming and going, sounds and sights and memories and thoughts and sensation. And needing to have an opinion about each of those sense experiences and mental experiences that come and go, that's exhausting. Complicates the mind, tangles the mind. So we can seclude the mind by just being interested in one particular object. Now this we'll recognize because it's really so much a part of our meditation techniques when we choose to be interested in the sensations of breathing in, choosing to be interested in a relaxed way with the sensations of breathing out, feeling the whole body as the breath comes in, aware of the sensations of the whole body as the breath goes out. And in choosing to be aware of the meditation object, like the whole body, the mind is choosing to not notice, to not pay attention to everything else that's arising in the present moment. (coughs) It's secluding itself from the diversity of the present moment experiences. And just feeling the touching as the air comes in the nostrils, feel the whole body sitting, and let that be enough. So experiment with that kind of abiding call this exclusive attention, usually to a pleasant or neutral object in the present moment. Be willing to start again and again and do this with a light touch, we're not forcing, really using interest. As if the breath is naturally fascinating, the sensations of the whole body are naturally fascinating, collecting, unifying the attention here. And letting everything else fall way into the background. And make sure to notice any calming effect that might arise for you. Calm in the body and in the mind.
It's just the natural result of seclusion. The mind has been given permission not to notice the diversity of experience.
We're learning to trust that the natural capacity of the mind to want to retreat into something really simple and in doing that let go of everything else just to feel the breath coming in and out. Of course there are many different objects you could use to support that retreating. The repetition of a prayer or mantra or opening to hearing. But the key is to do this with a light touch, but to also be persistent and to notice the calm that comes when the mind is in that more simple space of just feeling the breath coming in, feeling the breath going out. So in a sense, we're learning, the mind is learning to abide in the simplicity of experience. This is the only thing that's being known, being paid attention to. And of course, there's even a more subtle abiding that we, the mind, can take up. So 
So even with this relative calm, feeling the body as you breathe in, feeling the sensations of the body as you breathe out, just start to notice this pleasant feeling of being settled, noticing any mental activity like different perceptions that come and go, different intentions. And to begin to observe that movement of mental activity in a very naturalistic way, like thoughts come and go, perceptions, feelings, and all of it's okay. It's just mental activity coming and going. And this allows that part of the mind to settle down, to notice this mental activity, but in a sense not taking it very personally, just let it the perceptions, the feelings, the intentions. It's just mental activity, coming and going, doing its thing. And in observing it in this calm and wise way, where the mind just becomes, that part of the mind just becomes quieter, that sort of more general level of mental activity just quiets down. And this is a more refined kind of peace. So we're not pushing thought away, we're just noticing it and giving it permission and trusting that that awareness will allow things to settle. In Buddhism, we call this the happiness of dispassion. Not taking our thoughts personally. This also includes any thoughts we have about our meditation. Yeah, just a thought being known, just a feeling, just some perception being known. So nice not to have to be for or against our thoughts.
So we're noticing, specifically noticing the absence of the mind being attached to its thoughts. The thoughts are there, perceptions, intentions, feelings, but the mind has this spacious, not fixed relationship to this mental activity. Oh, of course. Abiding in that space of dispassion toward mental activity. And for the last few seconds, the next level of abiding, stage of abiding, is to notice the space of the mind itself. You could say the space of the knowing mind, the space of awareness. Not what the mind is knowing, not the objects, but the space of the mind. Open. Like a vast like a vast sky, wide open. So we're noticing in particular the absence of self-centered activity. That's the space. It is the absence of neurotic or self-centered activity. And then, of course, when self-centered activity rises, it sort of fills that space. 
and we forget the space, the empty space itself. But we're training the mind to notice the space, not to fixate on the self-centered activity, but just to appreciate the space of the mind, the space of the heart, the space of the present moment. Empty. Just for a few more seconds. 